Under the radar means hearing about things you didn't know you needed to know until you hear them. It's a serious look. Hear about the issues that don't get the attention they deserve. Under the radar doesn't get caught up in the day-to-day. Surfacing issues that are not talked about in mainstream media. I think it's something that connects us to each other. Under the radar is all about discovery. I can be guaranteed voices I haven't heard before. But also the questions. Under the radar is one step ahead. I'm Callie Crossley. This week on Under the Radar with Callie Crossley, local shoppers at the California-based grocery store chain Trader Joe's and Massachusetts' own market basket know there is no self-checkout in either store. Even as self-service checkouts gain space in other American grocery and retail stores, these two bet that their customers preferred the efficiency of trained human staff. And recently, some large retailers, Walmart, Costco, and Dollar General, have announced they are rethinking self-checkout. They're adding more staff, and some are even removing self-checkout machines. Not only has self-checkout failed to deliver on the promise of faster and more convenient shopping, but many businesses have been hit with huge merchandise losses from customer errors and shoplifting. Is it time we check out of self-checkout? Later in the show, a global entertainer whose extraordinary talent has inspired critical acclaim and a deeply loyal and expansive fan base for more than seven decades. Barbara Streisand, in her own words, in her new memoir, My Name is Barbara. She kind of gave me everything I was looking for in this memoir that she's been talking about for 10 years. A radio tribute to singer, actress, director, and activist Barbara Streisand by two people who are experts on her talent and life. But first, joining me now, Rita McGrath, Academic Director of Executive Education at Columbia Business School. Hi, Rita. Nice to see you. Also with me, Phil Limpert, food industry analyst and founder and CEO of Supermarket Guru, a food and health news hub. Welcome, Phil. Thank you, Callie, and it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I want to start out this way because I just had to remind myself, self-checkout's been around a long time. I didn't realize that until I started looking into this and thinking about it. It's been around since the 80s. Uh, Seems to, you know, have blossomed all over the place where it's just you see it in every location or so I thought as I began this conversation. Um, But what I didn't realize uh, along the way, and both of you can now expand on that for me, is that it never was really working well. (laughs) I mean, we didn't really hear that until it seems to me most recently that sort of shopper complaint has gotten more intense. Uh, So, Phil, start with you. Um, What wasn't working well uh, or hasn't been working well with self-checkout? Well, Callie, what we've got to remember, and you're totally right that this is not new technology and it hasn't been updated you know so the checkout the self-checkout technology has been around you know now for close to 50 years and it really hasn't progressed the way the rest of technology has so when we take a look at that experience from a consumer standpoint it's you know mediocre at best Number one, certainly during the pandemic, a lot of us gravitated towards self-checkout because, frankly, we didn't want to be around other people. Um, And also, third, let's not forget that the reason that self-checkout started is it was a factor for union busting. 
What retailers were able to do is put in self-checkout when they went to negotiate for higher wages uh, with cashiers. And it was really a signal to the unions that said, well, be careful, ask too much, and you could be eliminating jobs. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. One of them I'm going to go right at. Um, here's a clip from TikTok from someone who had a bad experience with self-checkout machines. First of all, they have like 12 barcodes on these things, and I could not get the stuff to scan. And the thing is yelling at me, scan, scan your item, scan your item, scan your item. I'm trying to scan it. And then I scan it. I've got the thing in my hand. I'm ready to put it in the bag. I'm still putting it. And it's like, scan your item, scan your item. All right. That's the first big thing. That's the machines don't work. Um, Rita, I want you to jump in on why these uh, why self-checkout hasn't worked. We know the machines are an issue, as Phil has named. Um, would you underscore what he said about the other reasons? I absolutely would. And I'll add one more thing, which is that self-checkout for many customers almost gives them permission to just you know well i won't scan that second item or oh well nobody will notice if this goes or oh the stupid machine won't count for it anyway so it adds to the shrink problem for sure and when you say shrink that means uh items disappearing that were not purchased and a lot of times that's theft (laughs) i mean sometimes it's other things but but it could be theft the other thing that self-checkout does and i'm sure phil can weigh in on this is um if you don't have accurate counts of what's in your store you know you don't know what inventory Mm. you've got and you don't know what's still there and what's missing and you know it, it just adds to a whole cycle of dysfunction because then the people running the computers in the store think they have you know i don't know 12 boxes of ready-to-make matzo ball soup, <laughs> and, mm. uh, and they've only got six. And so now the shopper, shopper comes looking for it, the stuff isn't there, and it, it just kind of cascades into a whole pile of information mismatches. And in fact, I just want to, uh, I'll underscore for you, uh, Rita, that one of the reasons I got interested in this story and then realized how much turmoil was going on um, about this uh, service is that people were telling me that folks would take steaks, now maybe this is an exaggeration, you know, and swap it out for, I don't know, bananas or toothpaste or whatever, because you're moving the thing in front of that red eye thing and they apparently have an expertise in sleight of hand. And then, you you know, you're walking out with a steak and it should have been a tube of toothpaste. You know what I mean? For what you paid uh, for a tube of toothpaste instead of the steak. So, yeah, shrink for sure is happening in a lot of places. And that um, has gotten some of these larger retailers, as I said, to rethink um, how they are using um, self-checkout or whether to use it at all. Now, let me put on the table that uh, a huge grocery chain in London said, we're out, uh, booths. And I'm raising this because I think that this has gotten uh, so much attention here that other uh, retailers and grocery stores are thinking about it. And the booths spokesperson said they just found that they were losing too much uh, merchandise and that shoppers hated it, that they weren't getting the personal experience. And so that's why your your wall, your Walmarts, your Costcos, and your Dollar Generals are now trying, back to something you said earlier, Phil, uh, to sort of fix it by adding more staff, bringing more staff in. Um, does that work? 
It does work. Um, there's no question about it. Keep in mind um, that today, especially with the high cost of food, uh, when we go to the supermarket and you know the register comes up and it's a hundred or two hundred or three hundred dollars, you know that's sticker shock. So what we really want is we want a cashier. We want a bagger to say thank you. So the end of our shopping experience is pleasurable. Now back to the TikTok uh, video that you that you played. You know, keep in mind that, yes, uh, the barcode today um, is 10 to 12 digits, but GS1 barcode, the new barcode that's coming out, is going to have, you know, 100 times the number of, of assets to that barcode. What does that mean, Phil? What is it? I don't know what that means. Okay, so GS1 is, is the uh, organization that created the barcode. Got it. What they've now decided to do is build a bigger barcode, not in size, but the number of pixels that are in that barcode to be able to get more information. The barcode today is basically divided into two parts. One part is the manufacturer's number, the brand, if you would. So a brand has five digits and it tells you that it's craft. Then the second five digits basically say what that product is. That's all that a barcode can do today. Now, with the new GS1 barcode, it can talk about where the sourcing of that product comes from. It can talk about expiration dates. It can do a whole plethora of new information. So that's going to overcomplicate. And basically, the self-scanners aren't able to, to read those barcodes. So it means for the retailer investing hundreds of millions of dollars if they want to keep self-checkout into new equipment. And also the other problem that, you know, the shopper had on TikTok is keep in mind, you've got to keep that glass clean. So it could very well be that, you know, she was scanning it and the machine kept, kept on saying, you know, scan. Well, it could be that, you know, somebody spilled something. Um, so you have to have a human being clean that. Um, so that's a problem. And also to what, you know, Rita talked about a minute ago, um, as we look at, at theft and shrink, I was in a store and I actually saw to, to the banana example, I saw someone take the the label off a banana, put it on the back of their hand so that that way when they were scanning things, they were just scanning their hand and then putting the product in. Now, keep in mind that you've really got to be smart about it because that's a scale. So it knows when you have that barcode, the weight of the banana that you put in the scale. So you've got to have similar weight to it. Now, it really annoys me. Two other quick points is number one, that a lot of scanners are now putting in cameras so that one, when you're doing your scanning, it is filming your face. So if in fact there's fraud being being happening, they can find you. Yeah, yeah, but you know, how many people, that's a lot of people to go through to figure out which one did it. I mean, that, that to me, you've already invested more time and money trying to catch somebody when if you just had the cashier to begin with and not the machines, you'd- Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous. You're absolutely correct. And then the other side of it is they're now putting in a lot of security agents. There we go. Um, 
that that basically as you're leaving the self checkout they are looking at your cash register receipt and you know verifying that you've done everything correctly and if not and there's been stories and one story famous story from Walmart is there was a woman who inadvertently didn't scan i think it was a candy bar or something like that they brought her into the back room where the security was and really threatened her to be arrested and she said you know i'll give you the buck you know for my skittles or or whatever the product was and they just wouldn't let it go so we're really creating a lot of tension if you would um, um, in the supermarket, and the supermarket should be a wonderful place that we can enjoy, that we have all these great aromas, all these great foods, <laughs> we see our neighbors versus having a security guard, you know, pull us in a back room if we forget to scan a candy bar. Okay, that's my guest, Phil Limpert. He's a food industry analyst and founder and CEO of Super, Supermarket Guru, a food and health news hub. Uh, now, back to you, um, Rita, academic director of executive education at Columbia Business School. I want to talk about this, the the stealing, the partial shrinking or whatever, because this has become a huge issue. Really, I think it's the, the biggest thing that's prompted some of these large retailers to, to figure out a different way of handling self-service if they don't just eliminate it at all, uh, as, as the booth's a grocery store in England did. So there's a study from Benz's Business Insider uh, in December that found that shoppers were 21 times more likely um, to incompletely ring up their orders, okay, which Phil just talked about. But here's the other part. Nearly one in seven of them admitted to having purposefully stolen items at self-checkout, with nearly half of those saying they would do it again. Now, that's per a study from LendingTree. Rita, what about that? I mean, we're developing a kind of a, a social action that people think is okay. Well, there's a couple of facets to that. Um, I think the first is in an environment, as you pointed out, of high grocery costs, of inflation, where people are feeling really pinched. Um, it's kind of getting easier for them to say, well, you know, the Walmarts are the richest family in America. They're not going to miss this, whatever the item is. So there's almost a self-justification. And once you start down that slippery slope, you know, it, it gets easier and easier to do it the next time. right? So that's, I think, one psychological factor. Another is that one of the things we know about um, preventing fraud is that it's not the severity of punishment which deters people, it's the likelihood of punishment. So, you know, we if there's there are no people there, if nobody's watching, if nobody's paying attention, well, just this once I'll, you know. And then the other thing that I think is becoming increasingly an issue is there's a, a concept called social proof which is you're very likely to behave the way you see other people like you behaving. So if I become convinced that other people just like me are getting away with it, then it becomes much more justifiable. Um, one other thing I would add that I think the stores are starting to realize, right, is that they're kind of depopulating the front of the store, mm. <laughs> you know, and and as there are just fewer people paying attention to what's going on and the likelihood of getting caught is lower, it can be very tempting, especially if people feel sort of justified, right? Well, this store is so wealthy, this place is so expensive, you know, I, I'm under such pressure, you know, surely just this once or, you know, once in a while I'll get away with it. 
Well, Rita, let me follow up with that and say, um, as now we have uh, some of these large retailers and one, as I mentioned, in England that said no more. And then we have examples of Trader Joe's and um, our own Market Basket here in Massachusetts never having used it. Um, Are we very close to phasing out self-service, self-checkout? Because by the time you hire new uh, people to sort of keep an eye on everything, all the things that Phil said, the new security, the new kind of scanners and new machines or whatever. Why don't you just hire the people and let them do it? Well, what I'd connect you to is a concept from uh, MIT's own Zainip Tan, uh, so local girl gone good. Uh, she's written a great book called The Case for Good Jobs. And what she points out is that a lot of retailers are looking at their staff and their talent in the wrong way. They're looking at them just purely as units of cost. And what Zainab argues in her good job strategy is that if you hire the right people, train them, and for example, Trader Joe's cross-trains their people. So if I happen to be, you know, today I'm in the, I don't know, the, the, the frozen food section and somebody in the fresh goods section needs help, I can help them because I've been cross-trained, whereas a lot of uh, firms don't do that. So you hire people, you cross-train them, you do what they do at Costco, which is you give them a route to advancement. Um, what she finds is that people actually become a unit of revenue rather than a unit of cost. And if you look at them that way, it completely changes the mindset. And I'm going to add something to that, Rita. That's the Nordstrom model. You know, that's the reason why people shop at Nordstrom. They actually know the product and can move around. Um, So can you tell? I hate self-checkout. Hate, 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 hate. So in order to have balance in this conversation, let me play a clip from TikTok from someone who really uses self-checkout because they want to avoid what they say are annoying store employees. I really go out of my way to be self-sufficient and make sure that I'm not taking up someone's time unnecessarily because that's what I was told to do pretty much my entire life before I was an adult. So it's not that I dislike interacting with the staff or any of that sort of stuff. It's just like, if I can do it myself and not take up somebody else's time, that's what I'm going to do. And here's another one. This is another user on TikTok about why she enjoys using the self-checkout line at grocery stores. I stand self-checkout. I'm all about, I'm all up in the self-checkout every time. I don't like having to interact with a human, a stranger, for no reason. Like, are y'all just upset because it's one less employee for you to verbally abuse? Or is it something else? I don't get it. Um, for those who are not uh, familiar with the lexicon of today, Stan, it means I'm really an enthusiastic fan. So she's an enthusiastic fan of self Check out. All right. So the two of you have pointed out that there are some uh, arenas that seem to be working well in a kind of self-checkout mode. And one of them um, that you gave as an example is the Amazon Go. But I want to note that uh, a lot of Amazon has closed some of their Amazon Go locations, uh, one in uh, Seattle, um, another one in another location. So I don't know that that's working. And that's a store, by the way, a brick and mortar store where people can come in and it's all self-checkout. So that doesn't seem to be working either, Phil. Well, if you take a look at Amazon Go, it's First of all, very expensive technology. It's not just putting in a self-scanner. What you do when you go into an Amazon Go store is you have your mobile device. You then scan it as you walk in so it knows that you're there. And then between 
artificial intelligence, between cameras in the ceiling, between RFID chips, everything, um, you're then able to take whatever you want from the shelf, put it in your basket or in a tote bag and just walk out. Um, and it measures all that. Um, so it's really not self-checkout. It's the next evolution of the technology. However, you know, for a traditional 40, 50, 60,000 square foot to be able to do that, again, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars to be able to have that technology work. And again, um, to build on what Rita said before, you know, we don't want that. You know, the, the reason is, you know, yes, we have these two people on TikTok who love it. Well, you know, they're two people. That's it. Um, I can find some it. more, but go ahead. <laughs> go we ahead. have, you know, hundreds of millions of people who don't want it. We have millions of people who say, hey, if I've got to bag it myself, I want a discount. If I want, you know, I was in a Ralph's here in California uh, a couple days ago. And, you know, they only had two cashiers open and there was a long line for self-checkout. And the problem that we've got, um, to your point, is, you know, let's just hire people. Well, you know, nobody wants to work in a, in a supermarket anymore. Nobody wants to be a cashier. These are minimum wage jobs. And, you know, to, to Rita's point, training is critical. You look at stores like Wegmans and Publix who have really invested heavily in, in training their people. They have a very low turnover. And number and that's the biggest problem that supermarket operators have turnover of staff. And also when a Wegmans opens up in a town, you know, there are people who are lined up because of that experience of going to a Wegmans. And that experience comes from having employees who enjoy food, enjoy working there, and they're able to empower the shoppers with that same feeling. So in order to do that, we have to have people, number one, who want to work in supermarkets, and number two, we have to have retailers who appreciate them, not like running these stupid TV ads during the pandemic. Oh, you know, you're essential workers. You know, we really love the fact that you're here. And then as soon as the pandemic wanes, they take back the $2 an hour that they were giving them for, you know, extra pay. Um, we really have to reimagine what the supermarket experience is, both for customers and employees. All right, Rita, um, weigh in. Amazon Go, it's not a good model for this, as, as, as Phil has explained. Is there a future for self-checkout? And I should preface that by saying a lot of younger people seem to appreciate it more. I don't want to make this an age thing, but because they're accustomed to having a lot of things in their life, automated. So this is, seems part of their experience. Younger people, I should say. Not necessarily all, but that's a point. Well, I think um, it comes down to the concept of what what is it you're trying to get done in the grocery store, right? If you're picking up two things for lunch and want to be in and out quickly, then self-checkout can be a concept, you know, why not? Mm. And I would also add those are those tend to be, you know, higher value items, right? It's not you're you're not buying groceries that are two hundred and fifty or three hundred dollars for the whole family. And so I think you you're really looking at different use cases and I think we need to be attuned to that. 
Um, in the case of Amazon Go, I think Phil's right. That it's incredibly expensive technology. So to make it work for low dollar value items, I think that's going to be a huge challenge. Um, so I do think there there is a use case, right? And you know, I might be tempted to do self checkout if all the in-person checkouts are really lined up and I've only got two things I'm trying to buy. Um, sure, I'd give it a go, but but on another occasion, if I've got eight grocery bags worth of stuff, that's a lot of work. So Rita, so we've heard from some of these big retailers saying they're making changes and one of them is bringing people back, but they're making other changes. Some some places have said they may just shut down the, the machines. So will the experience be better and are well, the first question is, do you expect more stores to join the bandwagon? It feels to me like there's a trend. And secondly, will the experience be better by kind of their patchworking around the machines? Because for the places that are not totally eliminating, but trying to make it work somehow with 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 a few more bells and whistles. Well, what I think they're trying to do is segment their customers, right? Ah, so okay. the the diehards that have, you know, the $300 grocery bill and they're shopping, you know, they've got a full suburban minivan full of groceries and they're going to do it once a week. Uh, those people probably want personal service, I would I would guess. Uh, but, you know, for the in and outers who just want to pop in at lunchtime, pick up something quick or, oh, you know, I forgot sugar and I only have that one item. For those people, I, I could see uh, the self-checkout being very useful. So I think grocery stores and, and Phil probably has more expertise on that, but my guess is they're trying to segment by kind of time of day, customer use case, what's the job the customer is trying to get done. And, you know, the grocery stores, Uber, task, right, is to maximize the value of their floor space. And so anything they can do to get more turnover, higher sales, higher value added for each, you know, unit of floor space that they have, uh, they're incented to do that. Are you a self-checkouter? Myself? Mm-hmm. Not generally. I'm more the fill a, fill a cart with a week's worth of stuff. But I also, I'm I'm kind of a throwback. I actually cook. <laughs> um, I don't tend to buy prepared foods. I tend to buy it all at once and then have it for a week. And I, I plan out my menus for a whole week. So I think I'm a really different customer segment than, um, you know, lots of people I know who, oh, gee, what's for dinner tonight? I don't know. Let me look, go to the store and see what looks good. And, you know, they're only shopping for that one occasion. And they may, may well be in and outers. So I have been known to use self-checkout. Um, as I said, if there's a really long line at the in-person checkouts and I've only got an item or two, I'd give it a go. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say that would be my preferred first choice. Okay. Um, Phil, uh, what's the changes, maybe the dropping, how's it going to get better? Or what do you expect? My first question really is, do you expect other stores to jump on the bandwagon and either eliminate or make drastic changes to self-checkout as it is now? Traditional supermarkets will eliminate the self-checkout as we know them today. There's no question in my mind for all the reasons that you both have talked about. Um, but there's other technology right around the corner. You know, we can use our mobile device, our iPhone to check out. It doesn't have to be a you know, a, a stanchion, if you would, uh, with a scale. So we can use our iPhone to do it. There's new technologies. Um, Amazon is testing it. There's an Israeli company that has it that have smart shopping carts that have scanners. So when you put something in your shopping cart, it's automatically scanning it. Um, so that's a form of self-checkout. So I think that that 
again, that unit that we think of as self-checkout, that's gone. No question about it, especially because of the GS1 barcode. You know, nobody wants to replace, you know, these hundreds of thousands of self-checkouts that are problematic to begin with. Uh, but these new technologies um, will be there. So to Rita's point about segmenting shoppers uh, for, you know, that, that Gen Z and the millennial shopper who have grown up with technology, they're going to use their iPhones to check out in the supermarket. There's no question about it. Um, but again, as we're seeing these newer technologies that continue to evolve, not the Amazon Go, that's way too expensive, but just having shopping carts that can scan things, that's what will evolve. But not everybody wants that. I don't want it. Yeah. I want to be able to talk to a cashier and say hi and see my regular cashier every week um, where they recognize me, where, you know, they say, have a nice day. That's That's the best ending to an expensive shopping trip that I can have. Mm. And are you a self-checkout person at any time? Absolutely not. Mm. Um, now, I'll say in the supermarket, absolutely not. But in other things like Home Depot, um, where, where, again, you've got smaller items, I think that the self-checkouts in those kind of environments will remain. Um, you know, in grocery stores, no way. But if I want to buy a hammer and I want to go to, you know, uh, one of these places just to buy it, sure, I'll use self-checkout there, but never for food. Okay. Well, I'm going to circle back to you, too, when whoever, uh, I don't know which company in this country will decide to shut it all down like Booth's did in England. <laughs> and we can talk about what that means then for the rest of the industry. But I thank you both for joining me. Thank you, Callie. Appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Rita McGrath is the Academic Director of Executive Education at Columbia Business School, and Phil Limper is a food industry analyst and founder and CEO of Supermarket Guru. Coming up, these days she'd be called a multi-hyphenate, the multiply talented Barbara Streisand. Singer, actress, director, and activist, much of Streisand's decade-spanning career has been the stuff of legend and mystery until now. In My Name is Barbara, her nearly 1,000-page memoir, Streisand reveals lifelong insecurities, singular triumphs, devastating losses, and her ongoing fight against the industry sexism which sought to limit how she used her artistic gifts. Barbara Streisand's compelling memoir, reviewed by two people who know a lot about her talent and life, that's next. This is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. Callie Crossley. 